0: Welcome to Theological Grazing. If I remember, I'm going to share at the beginning of this episode a sound from the deck of my house in the morning with the birds chirping and making music. It's beautiful. It's really an awesome thing to just get to walk out pretty much every morning when I leave for work to hear this. It's glorious. And it has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. Um, I, I want to say, first off, I'm sorry for being bad at uploading things I know I have been Uh, maybe the last few weeks, hopefully I've been a little bit better, Uh, but what you've been listening to has all been things that I've recorded a long time ago. And so I'm getting back to recording again, and uh, I typically will record a lot of these at once because they just kind of build up ideas and then I think, oh, I got to get to these. I got to put these into uh, audio format. So. That's what I'm doing now. So I'm not saying that all of these are fresh, putting a new one, recording a new one every week, but I am finally uh, getting back to it in a way that I had not been for a while. So what I'm going to talk about today is not even an idea that I had. It's just something fascinating that I was reading about and I don't even know what to make of it. It would take a lot more work to be able to develop this idea anymore, but I don't want to lose it. And so I want to verbalize it in some form. I was recently, and by recently within, I don't know, the last uh, few months, I guess, (laughs) uh, I read the book, The Story of Creeds and Confessions uh, by uh, Fairburn and Reeves. It was a fantastic book. Highly recommend it. Um, I was... I was really blessed by it. It's been a little while since I've done anything uh, that kind of walked through more the history of the early creeds of the church. And so this was a really helpful way of of getting that and and thinking about them a little bit more. I especially read it because I've been uh, going through a sermon series this year where I started by using the Apostles' Creed. And so I thought it would be a, a helpful thing for me to do no matter what. But... Something that stuck out to me that I want to do more thinking on is something that they pointed out when it comes to the Athanasian Creed, uh, what we call the Athanasian Creed. And they pointed out that, you know, this is a creed that was popular in the West, in the Western uh, side of Christendom. It did not take on the same relevance in the East. And this is a creed that the style significantly changed from the earlier ecumenical creeds, from uh, the Nicene Creed, even from the Apostles' Creed, or Old Roman Creed that it came from, where the language moved to the realm of systematic theology, more systematizing these things um, in a way that it wasn't written in the same style as, say, the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed that are focused on the person of Christ, right? The the person of the Father, the Holy Spirit. When we confess the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, we really are confessing, professing, Affirming allegiance to a person, to the persons of the Trinity, to God himself, the triune God. And that is not the same thing as simply working out systematically the relations in the Godhead or something like that. And so we say, you know, uh, we believe and, and we, we confess what it is that we believe and we believe in a person, uh, three persons and one God. That is distinctly different from the style of the Athanasian Creed and I'm not going to, I'm actually, I'm driving so I can't and I don't have the Athanasian Creed memorized so I'm not ju- just going to try to repeat it here. So you can go look at that if you're interested. But what I'm intrigued by is that uh, Fairbairn and Reeves, they didn't make a claim on this, but they hypothesized a little bit that this could be one of the reasons that especially in medieval medieval Catholicism, you have a, a shift in the West that, becomes much more focused on uh, what we would probably consider works, much more focused on uh, the details of what a person is supposed to do or the way a person is supposed to uh, you know work out certain ideas or you know uh, the the way that you... I don't know what I'm trying to say, but it, they tied it to the idea of emphasizing more works in one, in the Christian life, as opposed to the emphasis on allegiance to the person of Christ. Not that it was completely removed, but it was, it was overshadowed in some ways by that emphasis on. You and what you do and what you are uh, what you are doing and and the way that you work out systematically what it is that Christ did, so not just belief in what Christ did but also you and your ability to work out and explain or express or live according to what Christ did now obviously that 's a part of what it it means to be a christian there's an element of that that is good and and necessary and right. Uh, but they theorize anyway, hypothesize that maybe this is, is part of uh, an overemphasis on uh, works and works righteousness within the medieval world, uh, and within Western Christendom. And I'm fascinated by that. And I don't have anything else that I can add to it. <laughs> I wish I did. I want to. I want to add more to it, but I don't. Uh, but if anybody's listening to this and you're intrigued by that, go get this book um, see what they say maybe go do some digging i think that this could be a really interesting way to trace some of the you know just historic development of the church over time especially in the west and why certain things became normative anyway some thoughts for you and some birds chirping to the glory of god this morning well that's all folks If you could help me out, rate and review this podcast, share it with a friend, go ahead and email me if you have any questions. We're out.